liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're riding with the thought you've always got a home the virus is scared of will come and it'll go the government knows this don't get treated like a hoe Welcome, everybody, to a live stream edition of Liberty Lockdown. Today, I am going to have on Laura Logan, longtime war reporter for CBS News, and now has uh, Laura Logan has no agenda on Fox Nation. That's on the Fox channel online. She is an amazing, uh, courageous reporter who has seen it all, and I thought that she would be an amazing addition to try and uncover the truth about what's transpired between Russia and Ukraine and American involvement. And later on in the show, we're going to be having Scott Horton, who has written some of the best books, in my opinion, researching the history between the conflict between Iraq, uh, uh, well, not between, but the wars of Iraq and Afghanistan from the US side, uh, both brilliant people. And I think that after we're done, we will have a much better understanding as to what the truth is. Because God knows it's hard to come by the truth when it when uh, when war is afoot and they're trying to propagandize us into involvement, it becomes extremely challenging to know what's actually happening. And I have been in that fight alongside you guys, trying to figure out what's true, what's propaganda, what can I believe, what should our involvement be, why are we here, and uh, and how should we proceed? Laura's running a few minutes late, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you about our sponsor for tonight's episode, and that is. IP vanish. If you're tired of feeling like someone's always watching you on the internet, maybe advertisers know a bit too much about you, or you're concerned about the privacy of your identity, using incognito mode won't solve the problem either. IP vanish VPN is here to protect your right to privacy and help you stay anonymous online. IP vanish helps you safely browse the internet without exposing your private details to third parties, such as hackers, your ISP, or advertisers. You can use IP Vanish on your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. When you use IP Vanish, <clears throat> all of your data is encrypted. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IP Vanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. IP Vanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan to my listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's just like getting nine months for free. IP Vanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you watch, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com forward slash Clint and use the promotional code CLINT, C-L-I-N-T, that's me, and claim your 70% savings. That's I-P-V-A-N-I-S-H dot com forward slash CLINT. And Laura is not yet here, but she will be here any minute, I promise. Um, so yeah, I think that there's been a, a real concerted effort to, to basically make any sort of pushback on wanting American boots on the ground involved in a war with another nuclear power in Russia, you makes you immediately labeled a Russian propagandist or a dif disinformation agent. Uh, this has been a long-running trick of warmongers to try and get people to support conflicts that they otherwise would not. And ultimately, I'm not going to fall prey to it. I'm going to continue to seek 
the truth of the situation, no matter how hard it is to find and no matter the labels that they put on us, uh, when you are dealing with the potential for nuclear war, it's vitally important that you get the truth before you support anything like that. And we have Laura Logan, who just joined. Let's let her set her camera up before I put her on screen. Uh Are you sitting there just laughing at us? <laughs> Bastards. I, I, didn't, I didn't have you on the screen until just now, so don't feel bad. Chris, wait, Chris. Why do I go sideways when I put this in my I mean, why do I go upside down? The, like that is perfect right there. I know, but it doesn't look, it doesn't fit into this thing like that. Oh my goodness. How does your hair look so stunning? You know, that's uh, a miracle in itself. <laughs> <laughs> I said to my daughter about 10 minutes ago, uh, how can I floof my hair? She said, I don't know. Mine just floofs naturally. <laughs> um, um, we total, total gear shift here from... From yes. very play, playful introduction to serious talk of, yes. of potential for World War Three. Uh, what if you could if you could give me a little a little bit of backdrop on on your understanding of what has gotten us to this position and how you think we might proceed? Um, yes, I can definitely do that. So, uh, you know, one of the things that people are really sensitive about right now, right? It reminds me of being in the middle of COVID or right at the beginning of COVID. Nobody could say then that uh, maybe masks don't work or right. maybe locking everybody, everything down is not the smartest thing to do. Right. Or maybe we're going to kill more people um, because we're going to shut down all kinds of cancer treatment and, and um, other medical needs. Right. And mm -hmm. we're going to um, delay the development of, of babies for an illness that basically ends up being as treatable as flu. And that's kind of in a way where we are with Ukraine. We are being, you see how we're being manipulated and corralled into this. You have to care about the people of Ukraine and freedom and the suffering and the, the human, you know, uh, tragedy. Otherwise you're evil. Right. And right. so, um, what I'm worried about is that while they get us to focus on the human suffering of Ukraine, we are literally marching towards human suffering on a scale that we've never, ever witnessed in our lives before. So it's not that I'm unsympathetic. I mean, how could you be, right? What, right. That's the masking tape. What, what kind of person could you possibly be if you didn't care and you weren't moved? However, as usual, they don't want us to talk about some very significant parts of this, which is that, first of all, this is not just about Putin and Ukraine. OK, that's the first and most important part is when you're talking about the expansion of NATO, that when you're when you're talking about the kind of things that we're talking about. Right. Why would Russia, why would Putin allow uh, something like NATO to grow <clears throat> on his watch, on his doorstep and not respond? And that's unrealistic. Then you have the reports from U.S. intelligence sources. I've had it from three separate reports. Now, of course, you're never going to get this confirmed by the intelligence agencies or by the Pentagon or OSD or anyone else. So it's very difficult. I'm not on the ground standing looking at them. But there are, you know, multiple reports um, of bioweapons labs, American bioweapons labs being destroyed in the Ukraine. And, you know, when you're when you're dealing with a situation where like we are, where you've just come out of a pandemic, who three years ago would have said that they could shut down the entire globe and do it this way? Nobody would have said that. So we have a new understanding of exactly 
what um, these people are prepared to do with bioweapons, right? And, um, and that factors into it as well. And then you have everybody dancing up and down about Putin's comments about Nazis in Ukraine. And going back to the history of, of course, uh, I mean, the, un the unforgettable history and unforgivable of what happened to the Jewish people in Ukraine. And what that does is they're using and exploiting that history and the human suffering of people in Ukraine so that we don't talk about the fact that Ukraine was also a base of training and operations for the Nazi SS. So that we don't talk about the fact that, uh, you know, at the very same moment we're told to fear white supremacists and the rise of fascism and Nazism in this country and all over the world, you know, it's never been more dangerous, right? Except where are a lot of those people? Oh yeah, they're in the Ukrainian military. The Ukrainian military who we're supplying weapons to. And you don't have to take my word for any of this. I would urge people to go and look at the Oliver Stone documentary that he did on the, Maidan, I'm saying it wrong, but on the massacre um, that is part of what got us here. I would urge them, uh, you know, it, I'm not saying, I'm not by any stretch saying, uh, or, and I don't feel like I have to mount a defense for Vladimir Putin. I don't need to defend anybody. That's not my job. My right. job is to understand, is Vladimir Putin, where is he lying? Where is he telling the truth? Where is he justified? Where is he not justified? How do people view it depending on who you are? And of course, if you're in Ukraine, uh, you know, right now, and your life is torn uh, to shreds, and, uh, and you're under, you know, um, caught in the middle of all of this, then you're suffering. Um, and your perspective is very different. But when we look at it from the United States, I've never seen bumper stickers and T-shirts and anything happen so fast in any war in my lifetime. And when I see that, you know, my BS meter is not is not just going off. It's like 50 Amber Alerts one after another, okay? And everybody <laughs> in this country knows what Amber Alerts are like at this point. Yeah. It doesn't mean I don't care about people in Ukraine. It doesn't mean I'm not concerned. But what it means is that I'm concerned about what else is going on at the same time. So we we know that the, the CIA was involved in the last election in Ukraine. We know that we have a very unusual situation here where John Kerry, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Joe Biden and Mitt Romney all have children who are employed by Ukrainian gas companies. I mean, you, you want to talk about a small piece of ground, right, a small country that over the last uh, 10 years, we have heard more about than almost any other, you know, part of the world. S suddenly we find out that the Obama administration was paying millions of dollars to bring prosecutors and aid workers and who knows who else all the way from Ukraine to get trained in uh, anti-corruption training. I'm sorry. I, you know how I grew up? You know what anti-corruption training is? Yeah, don't training. steal. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't steal from your own people. And guess what, America? You don't send your tax dollars to people you know are stealing it. Right. I mean, it's right. like, come on here. It's like, you know, we, uh, and I really urge people as well to go back to John Solomon's reporting. John Solomon and his website, Just the News, okay? I mean, John Solomon did the best reporting on Ukraine. If you want to know which reporters to follow, people say to me all the time, how do I know who to follow? Well, part of the way that you know this is who's been attacked and how much have they been attacked. The more they've been attacked, a lot of the time, not always, but a lot of the time, that's a real indication that they were over the target. 
So, um, and if, and John Solomon has a transparency feature on the Just the News website where he got so tired of being attacked that what he did was he put the source documents on there for everyone to see, right? And why is this significant? Because in the theater and the farce of the Ukraine impeachment trial under Trump, what did we see? We had some, you know, Lieutenant Colonel Vindeman, right? He gets as a lieutenant colonel to sit at the impeachment trial and tell the president of the United States what his policy should be. I don't recall anyone voting for this guy who couldn't even make colonel, by the way. Couldn't even make colonel. And why was that? Let me see. Him and his twin brother, who both speak fluent Russian, mm, were found under a bridge a week after they arrived in America in their little sob story, right? Their refugee sob story. Except, mm, did anyone watch the TV show, The Americans? You remember his dad served in the military? Guess whose military that was? Putin's military, the Soviet yeah. Union, right? It was their military. You know, he wasn't some like hero of the resistance. What are you talking about? And um, by the way, how come the guy speaks Russian? Because he was like three when he left Ukraine. So, I mean, you know, what I say to people is there's a lot more we don't know than what we do know all the time, right? Yeah. Every single one of us. And what I see happening here is guess what they don't want to talk about? They don't want to, I mean, the scale and the speed with which COVID, the lie of COVID is collapsing, is staggering. And every time it looks like they're well and truly screwed, because they're now exposed for what they've done, how they altered the death rates, how they turned our medical system into a system that rewards death and doesn't reward doctors or coroners or hospitals or nurses or pharmaceutical companies for saving people. Oh, why don't we go to the fact that uh, Dr. Fauci, the sad little man, otherwise known as Joseph Mengele, right? According to many doctors and many survivors of the Holocaust and many Jewish people too, by the way, um, how about we go back to the fact that this man who knew, who knew because he was head of National Institutes of Health, that remdesivir poisons 70 to 75 percent of the people in the clinical trials, both in West Africa in 2018 and with Ebola patients and then again with the COVID clinical trials. So what did he make the drug of choice? Killed more than 50 percent of the patients in the clinical trials. And he made that the number one treatment for hospitals in America. There are no words for a man that gets to go to sleep clean at night when his hands are drenched in that much blood. From here to every corner of the globe, the millions and millions and millions of people, before we even get to the lies about early treatment, the suppression of cheap and easy treatments available all over the world, the, uh, the vaccines, we haven't even started on the vaccines, the myocarditis, and all of the other things with the immune system. The elderly people who were forced into early dementia and after they were basically put in solitary confinement. The families torn apart, the poverty, the women and children beaten to death by abusers in their homes because there was no escape. The lost children to, to all of the education that has been lost. The children who have never come back into our education system, right? Who we don't talk about and not the collapse of small businesses, the destruction of families, the destruction of lies, the destruction of companies, the destruction of farmers. We haven't even recovered from that. You know, I'm sorry, I just have to hurt my son. Stop it. This thing of work from home is going to make all of us crazy, by the way. 
he thinks that if he's whatever that dancing thing he's doing that he shouldn't be doing is going to distract me, but it's not. So <laughs> I say all of this to you because um, what we really see more and more every day is that the COVID narrative is truly collapsing. And at the same time, everyone is very conveniently ignoring John Durham. Mm, and John yeah. Durham, John Durham will turn out to be one of the most important people in the history of this country. Because that man is silently and steadily and deliberately marching towards some form of accountability. I don't have a crystal ball, you know, I don't have any special skills, but I know what a real indictment looks like when I read it. And I've spoken to lawyers, I have spoken to, I mean, I mean, people across law enforcement. I've spoken to DEA agents who built RICO cases. That's what they do for a living. And everyone who knows this can see that where John Durham is going, I'm sorry, but we literally are sitting on a, our own nuclear bomb. Oh, you're muted. Muted? Oh, no, oh, you're sorry. good, you're good. We're sitting on a nuclear bomb of our own. And that nuclear bomb is that the people who the White House, the executive branch of government hired to handle their top secret secure compartmentalized communications, the highest level of national security, the president of the United States and the White House itself, that they were farming out that data and to the opposition, political opposition to frame a sitting president. And you still want to make movies about Richard Nixon? <laughs> Are you kidding me? You still oh. want to talk about Watergate and you want to roll out What's it, Bernstein and, and whatever from the grave? You this know, is like a thousand kind of times bigger story. I, I mean, it, it is a story on a scale that none of us have time to cope with, right? Right. Because, because whether it's, you know, we're just dealing with normal life, we're dealing with the supply chain crisis. Uh, no one is talking about that. And we haven't even gotten started on Afghanistan, which is very much linked to the supply chain crisis. Because I'll tell mm. you one fact. I know I'm talking too long. It's supposed to be an interview, not a monologue. No, please. Um, this is amazing. Well, this is what they're not telling you about the supply chain crisis in Afghanistan, right? First of all, Senepco, Rosemont, Seneca Thornton, and Bohai Harvest. What do those three companies have in common? I know if you've got people watching this, it should be lighting up because there are smart people out there who are saying, they're raising their hands and they're saying, I know. Yeah, it's called Hunter Biden and the mm. laptop, the infamous laptop. So, you know, it just so happens that when Hunter Biden was rolling around on Air Force Two and meeting with Chinese investors, right, what else was he doing? He was building the Chinese investment arm of Rosemont uh, Seneca Thornton. And, uh, and guess what they did, you know, with Senepco? They've made pipeline deals with China and Iran. And so they're, they're going to be doing underground pipelines, two underground pipelines, and one overland pipeline. And where are those going? Oh, yeah, let me see. They're going through Afghanistan and Pakistan. And they're bypassing the, the underground one. No, the overground one is bypassing the Straits of Hormuz. And guess who stands to get a cut of every dollar of oil that's going through those pipelines? I mean, you, you know, it's like it's so in your face that you just can't make it up. And yet at the same time, they've created this world where they've divided us. And so if I'm talking to you on your podcast and you're interviewing me, we both belong on the fringes of alt lunacy, outright lunacy and right. domestic terror, right? And everybody else is, oh, they're good to go. Let's, let's you know, uh, watch another bombardment and talk about how much we hate Putin. 
And, and the other part of Afghanistan that they don't want us to talk about is very much linked to the State of the Union and uh, the next crisis that we're facing, the next existential crisis that can never be solved, which is the climate. It changes. Oh my goodness. The climate, it changes. It's never going to stop changing. Guess what? It's like the color of your skin. You can't change it. So they're very good at giving us problems that we can never solve and only they can solve. And right. so why do I say this? Well, China, before we uh, basically handed Afghanistan over to a bunch of narco terrorists and our most powerful state adversaries, they had roughly 80% uh, of the world's rare earth minerals. Afghanistan contains another 13%. So as we moved out of Bagram and the, uh, the wonderful people of uh, the Taliban and Al Qaeda moved in in our place, and paved the way for guess who? Guess who was there before the ground was even cold? The Chinese. Mm. I was monitoring it in real time. Why were they there? Oh yeah, they're gonna claim one of their many bumper prizes, right? For the jackpot of Afghanistan. And that was access to their rare earth minerals. So now you have China with access to 93% of the world's rare earth minerals. Why do we care? Well, I'll tell you why we care. Because guess what you need to make those batteries that Joe Biden's environmental policies say will have us at 60% battery power for all vehicles on the roads by 2030. Oh yeah, you need rare earth minerals. So we all thought that was a good idea. We would move to a system where China has an absolute, an absolute monopoly over the rare earth minerals that we need. We will then force everybody to go to battery power and we'll get a cut of everything. And when I say we, I don't mean America, I don't mean the people. I don't mean black, white, gay, whatever. No, no. I mean us. You know what we get to do? We get to be the slaves, right? With a with a bioweapon chip and a mask, terrified to go out, do everything that we're told. And by the way, what are we working for? We can't eat meat because guess what? They've used the, the, the environmental policies to murder agriculture. They've used it to, to murder the small farms the same way that they transferred wealth during the pandemic to move $3 trillion in wealth from small businesses to, you know, oh, yay, great, Jeff Bezos is wealthier than he was before. And so is the Walton family. I'm so excited, right? And we get more plastic crap from China that we don't need. And then what? What happens then? You know what's gonna, what happens to us? When I went into the Nevada desert and saw where they're building all these data centers, I saw three important things. Number one, I saw that the cloud is not a cloud. Our, our secrets don't go into the sky. They don't disappear. They go right there to those data centers where they are held, number two, under lock and key. It is enough security for, literally for Fort Knox. It is more security than 99% of businesses have, okay? It would match the gold billion depository. It, it is that valuable to them, which is the second thing that you need to know. Then the third thing you need to know is they're diverting the water into massive water towers and the power. And guess who it's for? Do you think it's for us? Mm -mm. For the planets? Is it for the plants and the animals? No, it's to keep the data cool. Right. Because you got to have it cool and you have to have backups and you have to have it all the time because there is your system of control. And as we go to like, you know, the, the places in Dubai, the ports and the harbors that are run by AI and robots and machines, what do they need? They need to keep it cool. They need to keep it functioning. But guess who's going to be? Guess who's going to be the people keeping it running? It's going to be us. Right. That's what they need us for—to farm us, 
to use for whatever purpose they want. We won't be able to eat meat or agriculture of any kind because the price of what we have done in committing energy suicide is we have pushed the price of, of natural gas through the roof. Why does that matter? Because it pushed the price of fertilizer from $250 a ton to, what is it, close to 950 now? Yeah. Over 850 I know that. And what is happening? I've been meeting with farmers and talking to farmers all over the world. They're not planting because they can't afford to. And for people who think it doesn't matter because natural gas is used in commercial fertilizer, there are only, guess what, five main producers of natural gas, I mean, of, of fertilizer in the world. Mm -hmm. And in this country, which is one of the top producers, guess who again, all the same names. Yeah, I don't even want to say it because it makes me want to vomit. Bill Gates. Do you, I mean, how can you say that word without vomiting? He's another mass murderer. He is another mass murderer. And why doesn't anyone have any curiosity about his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein? Come on, people. Let's wake up here. Laura, you are the greatest thing that I have ever witnessed in my life. That was such <laughs> a that was such a legendary 25-minute rant. I can't even believe it. You you are so much That's more based. Not a rant. This is calm. <laughs> Okay, I'm Sicilian, and I was born and raised in Africa. <laughs> that, that was incredible. You covered so much, I can't even believe it. Wow. Because okay. you have to tie it together. You have to see where it's going. You, you, you need to understand. You know why? Because they are fighting on every front. Mm -hmm. Every no. single front. We didn't touch critical race theory. We didn't touch the war on religion. All religion, by the way. Just because this church is in the sites first. Don't think the rest aren't coming. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a war against God. Why is Bill Gates trying to block out the sun? Because he wants to be God. He thinks he's a God. Why are they altering our DNA? Because they want to change our DNA, how we were created. What do GM modified seeds do? They alter the DNA of the planet. They've gone all over the third world and they've taken the, the most vulnerable people, the most vulnerable, and they've said, yeah, we'll bring you technology-based farming. Oh, you won't be able to sustain it because you won't have any other parts. You don't have the technology. You don't have the data. You don't have the, you don't, it's not like America. In South Africa, kids, when they were sent home from school with COVID, they didn't have electricity at home. Hmm. How are you going to download your homework assignment? How are you going to print something? How, you, you don't have electricity. My sister was doing it for the guy who worked in her yard and for the woman, you know, next door who was working in the kitchen there. I mean, people were doing that. How many kids have been lost? How many children have been lost? And not just that, you know, what do we, we what do we, what are we doing on the southern border? More Nothing. children are being trafficked today. Right now, right now, as we sit here, I want every mother and every father and every person with a heart to think about the fact that there are people who will buy 50, 100, 200 live child rapes at the same time from vendors all over the dark web and they will sit and have a party. There are more children being trafficked today everywhere in the world than there have ever been. And a lot of them come through the state of Texas where I'm sitting right now. And I'm a proud Texan, but I'm not proud of that. And we no. want to sweep it under the rug. We don't want to talk about the dirty stuff on Hunter Biden's laptop. And I'm not talking about with grown adults. I'm not. It's out there. I've had I've had three downloads of that laptop and I can't make it through half of it. It's disgusting. Really? It's wow. disgusting. And he's not the only one. 
And these platforms that we've allowed to become monopolies, the, the, the Google and the Facebook and the Instagram and the YouTube, take a look at Shane Dawson. There's a fabulous young man. D'Angelo Wallace, I've never met you. I want to meet you one day. And when I start my own show, if I can even figure out how to use a phone, I want you to fill in for me when, I'm, uh, when I, I can't do it because I'm on the road or being mom. But this young kid, D'Angelo Wallace, he does a one-hour takedown of Shane Dawson's, the moment Shane Dawson's career ended. I don't even know if his, his career has ended. I saw a blip that he's back online. This guy is talking about sex with animals laughing about it, spreading his cat's chicken legs open, okay, and humping it. I, I'm sorry, but I'm done. Okay, I'm done. Of and, course. Uh, and, and it's not once. This is a guy with 23 million subscribers. What I want you to think about, my husband, when, when I made him watch it, okay, he's planning all the different ways he wants to make Shane Dawson suffer as much as he's made children and animals suffer. Me, I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about... Susan Wazicki, the head of YouTube, okay, with your 23 million subscribers. I'm thinking about all the people you have in your branding department, your marketing department, your AI department, because we know, okay, I'm sorry to tell you, YouTubers, yes, natural talent counts, but AI counts much more, okay, mm -hmm. because it's pushing you out. It decides, right. AI decides whether you live or die on that platform. Mm -hmm. A lot Absolutely. of the time, not all the time, right? Usually. And you have to stay there over time. There's some fabulous YouTubers out there. And thank goodness I have young kids. And so I'm not like totally disconnected. Idubs, you're one of my best. Um, <laughs> I, and I love Mr. Beast. Everybody loves Mr. Beast, right? You got to love him. He gives all that stuff away. So, I mean, <clears throat> what, what I think about is how all of these self-righteous people lorded over all of us, censoring people for their political views, judging people, destroying their lives. How dare they? How dare they? While they teach our children that having sex with animals and all kinds of other things are absolutely normal and okay. And they take the most vulnerable kids who might be confused about their sexuality or whatever, and they exploit them for political and financial gain. I don't care what you are, okay? I'm a live and let live person, but I'm also not gonna call you they when you're single because I don't know what the hell's going on. My daughter <laughs> tells me they're in the shower. I'm like, who's in the shower? You know, I'm like, what do you mean they? Who's she showering? Is there a party in there? What's happening? Someone. No, I'm done, okay? What that is, <clears throat> those are barriers to communication and understanding so that we stop communicating and feeling and caring about each other. And I will not, till the, till the last breath in my body, <clears throat> I will not give in to these people. They are as the, actually as the current president of Afghanistan said to me, and I don't mean the Taliban terrorist who we've chosen to anoint. I mean the real one who we betrayed, right? Who's one of my very close friends. I mean, <clears throat> the, as he said to me, these people are forces of darkness. They are truly forces of darkness and they cannot engender a vision for our world. And that's where I am. I don't care if you're Democrat, Republican, I don't care whatsoever. If you are fighting for what is good, then you're on the right side of history right now. And if you are not, if you're like buying your Ukraine bumper sticker and you're going out there judging people and, you know, and whatever, I don't even read the stuff they write about me. I want you to know, hey, assholes, I don't. I don't care. I don't care. Say oh, whatever you want. Bring it on. Every time you come for me, 
you just make me stronger. I love it. Please are, attack me. <laughs> that was that was again incredible. Uh, all right, so here's here's my thesis: is that basically because everything's being rolled out so rapidly, we don't even have time for investigative reporters like yourself to yep. do the deep dive, to do yep. the retrospective Definitely. on like what happened with the election, what happened with uh, the the P tape, Hunter Biden's laptop, all this stuff. And by the time we get yep. that news, we're already so deep into the next crisis that the, the general public doesn't even really care about it, which is tragic. And and I don't know how we slow down history so that we can actually process these mistakes. I'll tell you we... what you do. I have, I have a, a partial solution for you. The first thing you do is recognize it like you just did, right? Because why? Does life normally happen like that? No, life is ah, fairly slow. Ah, ah, <laughs> stay right there. Okay. What does your gut tell you? No, it doesn't normally happen like that. So that means it's manipulated. It's by design. We mm. don't have time to have all of the answers, right? I can't tell you the name of every person who cheated in the 2020 election, but I know they, they cheated and there were mm. a lot of them, right? Mm -hmm. And that's starting to come out. We didn't even touch that. But what I do know is, I know when I'm being manipulated because I know when the natural order is being usurped. So when they tell you that one plus one doesn't equal two, I'm going to say that it's the polite way, right? I would normally say to my kids, that's when you get in your car and you aim for them and you just keep going and you don't stop. No, okay. I'm just, I'm being flippant and I'm making, I'm making a joke. But what I mean by that is that's when you pause because you don't know we we cannot know everything and we cannot you know it's so hard right now <clears throat> between the the rising prices and people losing their jobs and dealing with everything else it's life is difficult but we do know when things are not as they should be and so when you see that happening number one to recognize that you're being manipulated because you can pause number two when you feel that surge of emotion that's a really good time to take a breath. And it might seem like I should take my own advice, which is always true. But it is, uh, I do write those emails and those tweets and think, well, I don't tweet anymore, but uh, you know, those posts. And then I do sometimes, especially if I feel strongly, take a breath and read it again a minute later, because that helps. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing is to know um, that this, it, this is by design. So yes, you recognize that it's not the natural order, but what, you, what I'm talking about now is recognizing that there's a real strategy behind it, that these are very well-known tactics and that we teach them to our soldiers, we teach them you know, in political science class and whatever else, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that, they're, um, that this is not just some, it's not some voice of God where, oh, the, you know, things are unusual right now or there's a hidden hand here. This is not a hidden hand. That hand is attached to a person with a name and an address and a bank account. And they're getting paid to screw you and to screw all of us. And what it's called is a strategy called ambiguity increasing. Mm -hmm. So at the very moment, as you have ambiguity decreasing with COVID, because the lie is being laid bare, ah, ambiguity increasing, we have now, we don't know which way to turn. And I... I'm going to point out a very simple example that I think people will will help people understand and it'll, they'll get it like that. Remember what happened right after Trump won, 
we lurched from Russia this, to Russia that, to this, to that, to Ukraine, to blah, 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 the meeting, the Magnitsky Act, the Logan Act, the Flynn, the, the, the blah, blah, right? What is that? You're basically taking as much sand, I'm going to say sand, it's another S word I'd like to use, but I'm going to say sand, and you're throwing it up there constantly. So nobody has time to dissect any of it, and nobody has time to figure out what's really going on, and people like me make mistakes. And that's another thing they want because it's just a win-win-win in every direction. If I make a mistake and my credibility is shot, well, that's another adversary right off the battlefield, right? And by the way, at the same time, they don't care if the New York Times gets exposed for three years of lying about Russia collusion but still holds on to its Pulitzer Prizes, right? They don't care if CNN goes under because they want the media to commit suicide, just like the oil industry. If I see another pundit on television going on about Democrats can't manage their cities. Look at those crime rates. Oh, oh. oh, defund the police was a mistake. It's like, seriously, do you not realize at this point <clears throat> that the tire destruction of the city and the system, the, the elimination of the justice system, the police and all the rest of it is the goal, right? Mm. Because then you get the brown shirts and the SS. That's what you then get. You get the, you then get you get the federal months, police. You're yeah. really lucky you get Antifa. And that's them rolled into one doing a lot of drugs. Because that's that's what they've done to our kids. They've just flooded them. I mean, when you go to Chopped, Chaz, all these places, you talk to anyone who was on the ground. Look at the police reports. I clicked on one one night in Portland or Minneapolis right after the George Floyd death. Said the guy was arrested with all these guns and a bag of cocaine. So I click on the pictures. It's a, it's a gallon bag. It's a gallon bag. What yeah. are you taking a gallon bag of cocaine into Minneapolis for? Yeah, for the riots, because that's how they're getting your kids to stay on the streets and to get shot or hurt and get a criminal record while they jump in their car and move on to the next city that they go torch for political reasons. My goodness, you have this. I mean, you I don't know if I've ever I've talked to some really red pilled people. And I don't know if anyone has quite the entire picture laid out the way you seem to. That was amazing. That was amazing. I, don't I haven't had question. a vacation for two years. Are you kidding me? I mean, I keep getting, you know, I've been canceled more times than, than Lord Lucan, right? I'm harder to kill, apparently. That didn't make any sense whatsoever. All right. Uh, before before Scott hops in here, I, I know that, that you only had about uh, 45 minutes. So I, I want to ask you, is it is it as simple as World Economic Forum? Is it uh, supranational organizations? Is it China? Who, who is they that is using these mechanisms to essentially collapse the American civilization? Well, the first thing that you can do is you don't have to take my word for it, right? And the second thing that you can do is um, is ask them. This is the part that really annoys me. It's like, they, you know, people say to me, I try to tell them with Afghanistan, you know, we didn't have to do what we did. And by leaving $80 billion worth of advanced military hardware in the hands of terrorists who you know you're watching, because the NSA is the crown jewel of intelligence collection for the world, right? You're watching them deliver it to the Pakistanis, the Iranians, the Russians, the Chinese, the North Koreans. Like you're tracking it in real time, by the way. Right. Just the way we tracked in real time for six months before the movement of Al-Qaeda and other Islamic terrorists coming to Pakistan from where they staged for the invasion that we helped them uh, plan and execute right? Mm. By giving them our, all of our troop movements and by uh, giving them a green light, because we certainly didn't stop them and so on. 
So, and then you, you, you talk about the fact that we actually gave them weapon systems that are on our own special operations aircraft and soldiers, right? And mm -hmm. then you talk also about the fact that, oh yeah, I mean, you're vaccinating our soldiers who are dropping dead from myocarditis and other illnesses, you know, and other uh, related effects. And, uh, and, and then you're doing this, why? And what you see is that not one of those acts strengthens the United States of America. So people say to you, oh, well, why would they, why would they want to weaken the US? Why are you asking me? I'm not the one doing it. I can only tell you a fact, okay, that we had Afghan pilots that landed in Uzbekistan. They had special mission capable, special operations capability aircraft with fully staffed crews. Do you know what it takes to train people like that? Many of whom didn't even speak English mm -hmm. so that they, they can manage these weapon systems and fly them safely and everything. I don't think people understand that it's not just a matter of buying the aircraft. You've got to keep it in the sky. Do you know how long it is? how we recycle those, we take them out of the sky, we service every part. To, that's how you maintain the safety of an Air Force and a fully functioning Air Force. And so the amount of resources that it takes to do something like that, they make it to Uzbekistan. And what does the Biden administration do? They agree to give it back, hmm. but not to the people that flew it, not to the people that fought and died with us. No, to the terrorists who supposedly want to kill us. So you explain to me why you would do that. Why would you do that unless you wanted to do what Tony, what Tony Blinken and what Obama both said they wanted to do? They said in speeches that are almost identical, and you can look both of those speeches up, that uh, the days basically of having a superpower in the world were over, that they needed, in fact, Blinken's words were that that idea belongs in the dustbin of history. So they can talk about not having a superpower, but having a coalition of nations. What is a coalition of nations? What is it? Global you know government. I mean? It's like <laughs> we're supposed to believe that uh, a computer chip is not a chip. It's a health passport. Mm, but it's not. a No, no, no. It's not a tracking device. You know, it's like how how stupid can we be? How stupid can we be? It's like when CBS told me um, here you we you need to bring in your company phone and your company laptop and everything else this is a thousand years ago and we're going to put this spyware on it but we're not going to use it no no we're only going to use it like if we need to and sure. um, yeah and like uh you know like for example if you lose your phone we got to protect cbs's information then we'll wipe it hmm. how about you want to fire me so you're going to wipe it or how about we're in a labor dispute and so you're gonna do whatever you want. You can plant things on there. You could say, you know, I mean, uh, let's face it, if they could have found a reason to fire me after my Benghazi story, they probably would have. But why couldn't they? Because there was no probable cause. I didn't actually do anything wrong. And so, or they would have fired me. So sure. how do you, well, you know what? When they have full access to all of your communications, they can put whatever they want in there, right? Mm. So. I'm just supposed to have faith and trust that they won't. That's the same principle, right? It's the same principle all over the world. And this is the problem with technology is that, yes, you know, you can, re you can give me back my memories, Elon Musk. Thank you so much. Right. But at the same time, how do I know they're mine? I don't remember anything. <laughs> oh my God. This is such a tour de force. Okay. 
I I'm gonna let you run. I really appreciate it, Laura. That was uh, unbelievable. Genuinely, I I hope yeah. you'll come back sometime and do it again. But man, I will. C- can you tell people where to follow you? Uh, you know, can you tell with my technical skills that this is a challenge <laughs> that I'm working? I'll tell on? people okay, at listen, Laura I'm, Logan. Uh, 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 I'm on Getter. And with my name and I and I'm on Truth Social. I know lots of people still trying to get on. And I am on Locals and I'm going to be on Rumble. And I'm going to start my own show, but I'm going to keep it kind of small so that I can do these other things because I'm going to establish the press club of America. It's time for us to take just like Truth Social's taken back the ground from Twitter and Right Forge is taking the ground back from Amazon AWS servers and we the people wine is taking back some of that retail space. I am tired of having you shove your politics down my throat every time I want to make a purchase. Okay. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. You can get lost. So that's part of what I'm doing here. Why would we not do the same thing with the media? Why? There are all these independent journalists. There's people like yourself. There's James O'Keefe of Project Veritas. There's Andy No. There's Drew Hernandez. He's the reason Kyle Rittenhouse isn't in jail. Not because not because he told the truth, because his cameras followed him everywhere and we were able to, you know, figure out the lies. So these people need to be recognized. They need a home. The days of telling people, you know, the, the New York Times deciding whether you qualify as a journalist or not, you know, and you, you know, James O'Keefe, you're an alt-right activist. No, you're not. You're not. You've got a staff of 75 people, more than a $20 million budget, doing some of the most important journalism this country has ever seen. You don't need to be anointed by the New York Times. The New York Times, with the greatest of respect and love in my heart, I hope they can find their way back to real journalism. I really, 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 truly do. Because those principles you know, of real journalism, we need to fight for them. And we need to fight for them together. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my best to create a home for those principles and then hopefully they'll give me Alex Trebek's old job because <laughs> I want to sit on a beach somewhere <laughs> half a year and not think about any of this ever again I love it I love it well Laura with a cocktail it, that that was that was truly truly one of the best just I didn't even one talk of the it best. was amazing one was of the amazing. best come on no it was the best it was the best it was I'm the best I'm just kidding I'm just kidding <laughs> Are you Anyways. kidding me in my house? I'm lucky if anyone listens to a, a word I say. <laughs> well, they should be listening. You have a lot to say. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna let you go and bring in, in Scott now, but thank you so Scott, much again. thank you for being patient, Scott. <laughs> have a good one, Laura. See you soon. There's a lot of bullshit going around in terms of employment, people trying to shove government mandates down your throat as a condition for earning a living. It's time to expand your personal freedom and increase your opportunity surface so that you can find employment that aligns with your values and be free from being jerked around by a bunch of crappy policies that you don't agree with. Go to crash.co, sign up for free, get the daily job hunt in your inbox every single morning, information, inspiration to help you enhance your career. And there's a whole bunch of free member benefits you get as a subscriber as well. Check it out. Crash.co. Thanks for listening. Hey man. Holy shit. (laughs) You have a good time. I just got here. I missed it. What happened? Uh, Laura Logan just broke down every single conspiracy theory and and put it all together in one little package. It was crazy. We didn't hardly end up t- talking about Russia and Ukraine, so that's where you I'm going to go with you. Invade Afghanistan? Uh, she a little bit, a little bit, and uh, <laughs> I didn't want to. I didn't want to have you guys clash. So let's let's go fine. through uh, the Russia Ukraine real quick, uh, if you don't mind. Actually, no, go, mm. go ahead. If you, if you listen to any of that and you have any. Oh, no, no, no. I, I just came in the very end there. 
I'm just okay. Talking. Okay. I don't know. Just making sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. That was, I don't think I talked at all, but I'm gonna, I'm preparing not to talk again because I, I am completely, basically I'm at your mercy, Scott. Every, everything I know about basically every conflict over the past 20 years I've gotten from you. Uh, so well, look, you need I, to read antiwar.com every day. And that goes for all of you listening too. I, I mean, know, that's how I, I know all this stuff. And it's easy for you to learn it all too, but you just got to read Jason Ditz and Dave DeCamp and Danny no, Sherston right. and Ted Carpenter and Doug Bondo. And we got all that you need there, man. No, I agree. I agree. I, I'm. I was being a little, little flippant. I, I listen to you mainly, but I also do read there. Uh, so no, yeah, if you look, you know what? It's a lot easier to listen to some guy blab than to sit and read it all yourself. You're well, right. apparently for me, it's a lot easier to read because I don't have. I can just get a lot more done in a lot shorter amount of time if I'm reading compared to listening to shows and things. But yeah, you're I able know, to lock in. It's a lot easier to listen to shows while you're driving somewhere, while you're doing the dishes, or. When you used to be watching sports, now you're watching Liberty Lockdown instead at night, and you know, <laughs> right on. The, the, the world's upside down. Um, all That's right, why so, I'm like this, man. That's why I'm not really a writer. You know, I did put those books out, but I'm not really a writer. I'm a radio show host because yeah. I figure my job is to tell people about the writers I'm reading. You know what I mean? Not everybody's mm -hmm. going to read Gareth Porter all day, but I really want you to know what's in Gareth Porter today. So I'm going to have him on the show and then I'm going to repeat what he said again to you in a way and make sure that you got it because it really does matter. You know what I mean? I couldn't write what he writes, but I can bring it to you and kind of translate from boring talk to Clint speak, you know? Yep. Yep. No, you do an amazing job at it. You've, you've absolutely gripped uh, an entire generation of young men to, and women to understand uh, why this stuff's important and why we need to be concerned. So uh, first off, if you could give me what's your latest understanding of of how things are developing between Ukraine and uh, and Russia? Obviously, we'll we can go through the history a little bit if people want to, but uh, for the most part, I'm I'm most interested in seeing what your perspective is on on how this thing's developing because I can't get a handle on the truth of this situation. I don't know if you're having any better luck. Yeah, well, you could forget all the narratives about oh Russia's getting their ass handed to them and all of this kind of stuff. I mean, they're taking their time, they have their plan, and they're doing it. You know. Um, in fact, here, I have it here. Let me find the, the name of this guy. Um, a friend in my Reddit group keeps posting YouTubes from this guy. He writes for task and purpose. His name is Chris Cappy. It's like C A P P Y Chris Cappy. And he does these videos for task and purpose, which is a military news site. And they're these good little rundowns of here's the war map. Here's where the Russians are. Here's what it means. And you know, um, of course, you know, he, of course, uh, completely condemns what the Russians are doing here. But at the same time, he's saying, listen, don't get all caught up in this propaganda about the Russians don't know what they're doing and the Ukrainians are kicking their ass. The Russians have a far larger and more powerful army than the Ukrainians. This would be like the federal government goes up against New Jersey. Like, yeah, they'll put up a fight and it'll take a week. But or two, you know, but yeah, the outcome we is know not where it's going here, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, and maybe Texas would be a better comparison the federal government versus Texas. It's going to take you a little while to get to Austin, but it's not really in doubt that the federal government could, you know, uh, crack down if they had to. They could take over this state. Um, maybe a better way to put it. So, um, you know, in terms of just relative power, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but so one of the things he's saying is, that he's been studying the Russian way of war for years. So he knows what it is they do. And he talks about this great essay by this, you know, PhD 
in studying all of Russian logistics, who goes, you know, just breakdown by breakdown, each and every one of their trucks and what its range is and how they use it and this and that, setting up their forward operating gas stations for their tanks that are coming later and all of these things that are, you know, tactical matters on the ground for how you carry out your strategy that you and I aren't really the expert in. But mm-hmm. this guy is saying, you know, I went on Fox News the other night and I don't know where they got this. I didn't bother looking it up because who cares a stupid crap. But one of the talking points was, you know, I mean, even on the face of how stupid is this, that you're supposed to believe that they know this, that someone had promised Putin that we'll be drinking blood or we'll be drinking wine or vodka or whatever it was out of Zelensky's skull in Kiev in one day, in one day. That's stupid. Yeah, you know, like even to invade Austin from Fort Hood would take more than one day if they had stiff resistance in Round Rock and Georgetown. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I just, you know, I don't know where they got that crap. Maybe the CIA told Charlie Savage to publish it in the New York Times. There's some garbage. Um, but there's just no reason in the world to believe that. I have quoted a thousand times over, probably more than any other man on this planet. Uh, Vladimir Putin telling the Italian diplomat in 2014 that, you know, we could be in Kiev in two weeks, meaning don't try to bring them into NATO because we'll invade and crush that country before we let you bring them into NATO. We could be in Kiev in two weeks, pal. Don't try your luck. You know, so isn't that realistic? Yeah, we'll be in Kiev in two weeks, which is right now they have this massive convoy, you know, north of Kiev converging there, staging, preparing to sack the capital city. And, and it's and it's probably it's been about what ten days since it started, yeah, something like that. Um, okay. And so two weeks sounds about right. Yeah, two weeks. Um, yeah, it was the beginning of of uh, the week two weeks ago. Um, and so uh, the um, you know well they first kind of walked into the Donbass. Depends how you slice it, right? First they walked into the Donbass, then they started invading the rest, but. Um, in other words, I don't see any reason to believe that they're behind schedule as far as that goes. Now, no, in terms of like what's happening on the ground, people are getting exploded to death. I mean, it's a horror show. There's thousands of people killed already. Um, you know, well, what I, what thousands I want... probably so far, but, you know, still that that's the, you know, the nature of the thing. Well, I wanted to ask you about um, the how this began. I, I know that Putin, as you've said, for years was was telling the world anybody that would listen hey if you bring ukraine into nato that's a red line like you're not doing this and and we will invade essentially um was there some sort of tip off or hint that that was actually imminent why did he no. act now no that's a great question and it's a complicated mess i think to oversimplify it to the bottom line and then i'll go back But to oversimplify it, I think the idea in his mind was that we can't bring him in as an actual member of NATO, but we're treating him like a de facto member of NATO. And we're arming them. And as he put it in his speech of February the 24th, that um, we're integrating their military into the NATO command structure. And we've gotten the Ukrainians to grant us access to their airspace to fly drones and planes to surveil Russia from there and all of these kinds of things. So, in other words, they were essentially making it moot whether they could actually get full NATO membership uh, since the Americans were were kind of treating them that way anyway. Now, if you look at Russia's demands here, 
They said they wanted a treaty of neutrality, saying that we won't try to integrate. We'll, we'll forswear bringing Ukraine into NATO, which is totally fair enough. And he said he wanted us to get back in the INF Treaty, the Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty that Ronald Reagan signed in 87 that kept medium-range nuclear missiles out of Europe for 30 years. And Donald Trump tore that thing up because he, like the Russians, wants medium-range missiles to encircle China. And the Russians, that's what the Russians wanted for, is their frontier with China. They're getting along pretty good with China now, but still they've got their security forces on the, their frontier there in the south. And they, that's what they want these mid-range missiles for. So Russia, really America broke the spirit of the treaty first by putting these dual-use missile launchers in Poland and Romania that could be used for mid-range missiles. But then the Russians broke it really in practice by making these mid-range missiles. But then the Americans, instead of saying, hey, man, let's renegotiate that treaty or let's sit back down and let's figure out a way to get back in and get in compliance because we're both kind of in violation of it. Instead, the Donald Trump administration said, Aha, let's tear up the treaty. We'll say the Russians are violating it. We'll tear it up. And why? Because the Russians and the Americans allowed this treaty to go to hell. And the Russians play their part. As I said, they broke the treaty too. They let this treaty go to hell. That kept medium range nuclear missiles out of Europe for 30 years so that they could each threaten China with them instead. Wow. But now that treaty isn't there. So now Putin is saying, oh, my God, you guys could introduce medium range nuclear missiles into Europe. And so that was one of the assurances that he wanted there, is that we won't introduce missiles into Ukraine and that we won't put uh, Tomahawk missiles in those dual use missile launchers in Romania and Poland. Now, the thing of it to get right to what you're talking about here is that, well, wait, if we're not bringing them into Ukraine, I mean, bringing Ukraine into NATO, then what's the big deal? Well, to go further with that, if we're not putting medium-range missile, nuclear missiles in Ukraine, if we're not actually introducing Tomahawk missiles into these dual-use launchers, what's really the problem? And this is why I thought they weren't going to invade, was because I was taking it that, which I was the same one warning for years that they could. I could be in Kiev in two weeks and all those things. Right. But recently, I thought that because our current head of the CIA, William Burns, is the same guy that wrote the Nyet Means Nyet memo to Condoleezza Rice in 2008, that this is a guy, look, he's not a lifelong spook, and he's not like from Wall Street either. He's a State Department, lifelong career service, you know, foreign service diplomat type of guy. Speaks Russian, knows Sergei Lavrov. I'm like, hey, if I got to have a director of the CIA at all, I guess I like Burns for the job, right? Like he's the guy that wrote the yet means yet memo. So I figured he would sit Biden down and he would read him the facts of life and say, hey, remember in 2014 when we overthrew the government there <laughs> in Ukraine and kind of caused some problems? Well, this is part of that. And so now we need to correct because maybe we overstepped a little. And I just thought, what are they going to do, dude? They, it's so obvious that Putin's demands essentially are reasonable. Yeah, and Ray McGovern was saying, look, Biden has already said, and I believed him too, and you could believe him the way he said it, okay? Um, not because of the way he said it, but because of the background of the situation. It just was, I think, true that he goes, look, we're not going to put mid-range missiles in Ukraine. You know what I mean? Like if he was lying, it wouldn't come out like that. You know what I mean? Right, the way right. it came out, he's like, what are you talking about? We're not even doing that anyway. And we're not going to put these, these yeah. tomahawks in, in you know? So uh, and, and we're not going to bring, and I think he told Putin this on the phone on December 30th, we're not going to bring Ukraine into NATO anytime in the next 10 years. And I thought that would be good enough. Um, 
But the thing was, there's another couple major stick. Well, first of all, they wanted that in writing for real. And if that's really America's policy, we're not introducing the missiles and we're not really bringing Ukraine into NATO, then you know what? Why not go ahead and put that in writing and re get back in the INF treaty? Call the man's bluff. He says these are his excuses. Take, take his excuses away. And then that'll really make his war an aggressive war when you've already appeased him and then he invades anyway. And when you already appeased him with a policy, that was already your policy anyway, which right. was you're not introducing these missiles and you're not it's, bringing it, Ukraine. It seemed like it, it required. Yeah, it required so little of us and we still didn't do it. It right. makes it seem as if we were almost wanting them to do this. Yeah. So you're one point ahead of me. So yeah. there's one more major sticking point, which was the Minsk II peace deal that yeah. our allies, almost proxies, right? Uh, our client states, the Germans and the French signed with Putin and the Kiev government uh, and the rebel factions there in, I don't know if the rebels signed or the Russians signed it on their behalf. They're the separatist factions in 2015. And Putin was saying, look, you guys signed this deal, implement it. And that would mean us leaning on Kiev to stop attacking the people in the Donbass region in the far east of the country who were still under assault for the last eight years or so since that peace deal was signed. It's what they call a low-level war, but it's pretty bad if an artillery shell explodes on someone you love. You know what I mean? It's pretty high level at that point. Um, <laughs> and that's been going on for years. And then also, the Minsk II deal would give the Donbass veto power over Ukraine's foreign policy. In other words, Russia would have the ability to, to prevent Ukraine from even asking to join NATO and playing that side of the role there. And so... Biden refused to do that. In fact, I think I read somewhere that he agreed in June. He met with Putin last June or July, and he agreed to do that, but then he never did that. Mm -hmm. Then Zelensky came to America in September and said, hey, let's get this process going to get Ukraine in NATO. Said that publicly. And that was when the buildup started, apparently was soon after that in October. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I talked to this real expert named Lyle Goldstein, who's now at Defense Priorities, but who was at the Naval War College. And I asked him, well, what changed Lyle Goldstein? Because God dang it, uh, the Donbass region voted to join the Russian Federation back in 2015. And Vladimir Putin told them, no, sign the peace deal and stay inside Ukraine. Right. He could have absorbed them then with a Sharpie, right? He could have said, this is my territory now. The same thing he just did with the Donbass. I hereby recognize the Donbass. It's not like there are opposition forces there and the, the, the um, Ukrainian forces are out. I mean, it's been an autonomous region for seven years now. They've right. been success. I mean, the Russians helped them to keep Kiev out. So this is like the Anschluss or whatever when Hitler went into Austria and there's no shots fired. Just take the thing. Um, so they could have done that all along. Why didn't they do it all along? And uh, Lyle Goldstein says he thinks it's because Biden tried to overthrow the government of Belarus last year. Remember that? The pretty lady that was the wife of the guy that went to jail and they were going to try to. And look, I mean, the guy's a dictator and whatever. But boy, you talk about sphere of influence. Belarus might as well be a state in the union in terms of the Russian Federation over there. Um, this is, again, just like with Ukraine, maybe even more so than with Ukraine. Trying to take Belarus away from Russia's sphere of influence is just madness. I mean, it's just crazy to even try it. And so... 
Goldstein says he thinks that when they try to do this color-coded type revolution in Belarus last year, that it wasn't just Putin. It was all of Moscow. And, you know, the national security state in Russia said, you see, the Americans are just relentless. They'll stop at nothing. We have to do something now. And so that had also helped to change their calculation. Then, now here's where we get to the suspicious part, Clint. And I'm suspicious with you, buddy. Vladimir Zelensky goes to the Munich Security Conference in, in uh, February. And he says, you know, I guess we're going to have to get some nukes. Now, Putin invoked that as one of his excuses to invade. You might have noticed and thought he was just mocking George W. Bush. He said, they're going to get their hands on nuclear weapons. And he says, quote, weapons of mass destruction. We have to go in there and stop them. Now, here's my thing. I kind of think as wily as old KGB Putin is that the CIA was jerking his chain and baiting his trap right there, man, that they wanted him to do this. And this was essentially giving him like, that's the last straw. Oh, they think they're going to obtain nuclear weapons now. Now, here's the reason I think that, okay? Where the hell are they going to get nukes? They can't get nukes. If they're going to make nukes, it's going to take them a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And the Russians will bomb their Manhattan Project 10 times over, right? The way we would if the Iranians were really trying to make nukes. We would right. just bomb them first, and then they wouldn't make nukes because we'd have bombed their factories and whatever. Same right. thing here. That There's just no way in the world. And let me just trust me on this one. America doesn't just pass out nuclear weapons to our friends, except LBJ gave Israel some nuclear material back when. But other than that, the Brits, the French, they had to make their own. Right. The the Pakistanis and the Indians and the Israelis, most of what the Israelis have, they have to make their own nukes. We don't go proliferating nukes. Nobody, not even the Israelis, are going to hand over an A-bomb to the government in Ukraine. So where are they going to get one? They're going to have to make it. Well, they can't. Not without getting busted. And they don't have the material and the expertise and the whatever, whatever it is. So why would he say that? Right. Other than because the Americans told him to say that to bait the trap for Donald, for, for Vladimir Putin to say enough is enough. I'm coming in here and doing this now. And then that was what he did. And now here's, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll go off on this for just one minute and then I'll be quiet. Sure. You can read my, um, my article on antiwar.com today. I'm really sorry about this. I really am. It's 18,000 words and a half. (laughs) It's, it's a two hour long speech. And then I added a bunch of stuff to it. You're such a legend. (laughs) Listen, I wrote a book where chapter two became a whole book. It's not my fault, okay? That's just how it goes. So what happened here is, what I added was this, Clint. It's all these evidences that the Americans have not just been preparing for an insurgency in the event that the Russians invade, but I think when you stack them all up, you get the idea that, see, they wanted this to happen. They wanted to use Ukraine as their sacrificial lamb as their sand trap, essentially, to give them their own Vietnam, to give them their own Afghanistan again, to bog them down and bleed them dry. Just the same way I told you a million times, Bin Laden and his friends been doing to us for the last 20 years, replicating what we did to the Reds in the 80s with their help or what they did to the Reds in the 80s with our help. And now the Americans, they say too clever by half. I don't like that phrase. There's got to be a meaner way to put it. These these insane people to think that they're going to replicate that same thing again. And in Europe, 
And man, the thing of it is, if you read the New York Times version of it, and you know, the, the, uh, I don't know, the Yahoo version is a little more explicit, but anyway, if, if you go through and read this, the framing of it is, especially the New York Times article is like, hey, 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 we sure don't want them to invade, but if they do, this is kind of our plan B, right? But the thing is, when you read enough of them, you go, boy, this has been their plan B for years. They've been working on this plan B for years. Mm -hmm. They've been training and training these guys, not just for fighting the separatists in the East, but for fighting the Russians when the Russians invade. The stay behind program, just like Gladio in the old Cold War. And so now, did you see this, Clint, dude? Is Hillary Clinton on MSNBC blabbing? Did you see that clip where she's Mm -hmm. talking about Afghanistan? So for your audience who didn't see the thing, it's MSNBC, so they're just nice. They just let her, they wouldn't let it, me or anybody else on there ramble like this. They never let me on MSNBC at all, but <laughs> they wouldn't let anybody ramble like this but her. But they just let her go the way you're letting me just go, even on TV. They're just letting her just go. And it's the kind of thing where, you know, if you were there, like, working for her, you'd be like, Madam Secretary, enough. You're like, yeah. <laughs> She's just going off about, oh, yeah, man, we're going to put in all these guns and we're going to bleed them and we're going to arm this insurgency. It worked in Afghanistan. Remember what we did to the Russians in Afghanistan? And then she goes like this. She goes, of course, there are some unintended consequences. (laughs) But anyway, and then here's what we're going to do. We're going to put some guns into Ukraine and we're going to give them to them. And they're going to use some missiles and shoot down some helicopters. It's going to be badass, man. Blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, in there, right there. The entire terrorist war against America and the entire American war on terrorism, 30 years of blood, all it gets is a, oh, I mean, there were some unintended consequences, hee hee, and a cute little coy little smile, and then right on again. Two million dead, 10 trillion blown, 7,000 American GIs killed, 30,000 suicided, tens of thousands maimed, and I mean maimed, dude, not wounded, missing major parts of their bodies okay their faces their genitals their legs their guts right um no small thing 37 million displaced the middle east from from nigeria to the philippines turned upside down and hillary clinton riding shotgun the whole time bill clinton's wife george bush's senator barack obama's secretary of state and she was in on all of this the whole time and all it gets is a, <laughs> yeah, I mean, two million people were killed. But anyway, here we want to do that same thing again now with Nazis in Eastern Europe. Incredible. It's just crazy. It's completely so, unbelievable. I, I have to I have to ask a fairly obvious question. It seems very wrongheaded to think that Ukraine can put up the type of sustained fight that the mountain people in Afghanistan were That's capable right. of doing. So, of course. I mean, they they say that too. They're like, "Oh, yeah, no, we won't. We know it won't work nearly as well, but we're going to try it." I mean, these what are the, the steps. I mean, there's mixed terrain, and I guess you know the steps are more in the east, where they're more friendly, you know, or less unwelcome. Anyway, mm-hmm. it's the west where they're really going to have a problem if they really try to occupy the west, which I don't think they're really going to do. I don't know. I, yeah. it, their goals are not clear at this moment of how much of Ukraine they mean to take and keep and what at this point. They may just get a regime change in Kiev and retreat back to the Donbass. Uh, I really don't know, you know, what they're going to do, but, um, yeah, the, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, my idea, I mean, look, it is a huge country. It is the size of Texas, which is, you know, Afghanistan, the size of Afghanistan. But yes, you're right that Afghanistan is bad lands, deserts right. and mountains and thick pine forests and deep, deep valleys and just absolutely and no roads anywhere. I mean, just it's a absolute, well, and, and decades yeah. of a culture of fighting off an invading force, right. whereas Ukraine and Ukrainians I mean, they, are tough guys, too. No, I mean, they've they, been through they the are. Nazis and the commies and everything. There's a there's a lot of. Uh, I but mean, my wife generations of consistent yeah, I mean, these, warfare. A lot of these people still believe in witchcraft and stuff, dude. Like they're pretty they're pretty like you know old old school i guess would be a way to put it um, yeah, i've got i've got a quick question for you from polaris 589 says the ukrainians trained in the u.s by the cia have they been deployed to ukraine yet yeah they've been kind of rotating in and out back and forth and that's in yahoo news if you want to read about that particular plan where they've been bringing them to the u.s to train them. a guy named zach dorfman is the guy that wrote it I wonder if he's related to Brad Dorfman from Vision Skateboards. <laughs> it's possible. Who knows? Anyway, um, Dorfman's the name, wrote a great piece at Yahoo News about this. And some of them go, oh, yeah, no, they're just collecting intelligence. Yeah, intelligence. And then the other guys are like, nah, man, these guys are brutal killers, dude. You just wait till some throws start getting cut over there. So, yeah, I'll take the uh, more extreme interpretation for sure. Well, he's me got some mean quotes in there. Let me let me take this to the uh, the you know how I am I always go to the conspiracy theory route and sure, I try and fine. I try and think uh, you know one or two steps ahead or or bigger picture stuff to me this seems like this conflict and the potential of U.S. involvement with it benefits China over probably anybody else am I mistaken in that assumption uh, assessment and and is I mean, there China. a chance is there a chance that they would actually be fomenting this because uh, the reason I ask is because the, the SWIFT system, the only reason that Russia was able to proceed with this is because they knew that they would be kicked off SWIFT if, if this were to occur, SWIFT being the processing system for uh, mm -hmm. transactions and, and basically the, the dollar hegemony rule over the world. And, okay. and they had a backroom deal with China, from what I've read, to basically continue to be able to function economically if they mm -hmm. were to do this. So China has to have greenlit this to some extent. Am I wrong in that? No, um, I think, yeah, read your Ray McGovern over at antiwar.com. I mean, the, the chairman, she has said recently that what we have is stronger than an alliance. And it's clear that Putin would not have done this if the Chinese did not have his back and a, a prearranged plan to do this. The real question is, did the Chinese say to him, hey, we're going to move on Taiwan next and you're going to turn around and have our back then or not? I kind of think not because I really don't think the Taiwanese want to take I mean, the, the Chinese want to invade Taiwan and take it by force. But um, I think they don't have as much of a problem with Taiwan as uh, Russia has with um, with Ukraine at this point. But that could change. Um, there, there's a lot of strong arguments why they would want to and why they would not. How they weigh those arguments, I don't know. Sure. To bring up uh, Lyle Goldstein again, he thinks they're going to do it not examining the politics, but just examining their force structure. And he's like, this naval buildup is for the purposes of taking Taiwan. And they are right about at the strength that they would need to do it. And here's mm -hmm. what it would look like. I mean, this guy's a real expert too. They'll use these troops here and those troops there and attack with helicopters here and planes there and all of this. So, um, you know, there is a real risk of that. And I look, um, 
this goes back to the why, right? Not just bleeding the Russians, but separating them from the Europeans. That, in other words, if integrating Russia into Europe means bringing them so close to Germany that the Germans don't need us anymore, they want to buy Russian gas and maybe don't even feel like they need American troops there anymore. Right. Then maybe we would prefer to kick the Russians out of Europe altogether and force them east. Even though that would, you know, cost us in a lot of ways, it would help to keep, you know, the Germans under our thumb hmm. rather than in this better relationship with Russia. So, you know, it's it's been argued by some writers. I don't think there's a lot of direct evidence of this. I think this is mostly kind of inference. But I'm seeing a lot of writers talking about this, that they think that, yes, um, just as you say, the Russians knew if they do this, they're going to get a million sanctions from the West. They're going to get kicked right out of Europe as far as all of that goes. But that, oh, well, fine, we'll just turn east then. And that, but then on the other side of that, too, the Americans knew that if it goes this far, that we'll end up kicking them right out of Europe, right in the arms of the Chinese. And those two powers then will be, you know, closer than ever and harder to deal with than ever. So then the question is, you know, the Americans think that this is the smart thing to do or, it's the best of some bad choices or they're just complete stupid idiots and think that this is brilliant and that it's going to be fine. I mean, I got to tell you, I think, you know, it's really hard to say. I mean, what these kooks think you tried to read the Washington post and take their temperature. You know what I mean? Um, David Ignatius or, you know, these people kind of speak for the CIA. Um, Charlie Savage, another mouthpiece of theirs. I'll tell you what, Robert Kagan wrote this thing. So this is Victoria the Coup Newland's husband, Bill Crystal's writing partner, author of Toward a Neo-Reaganite Foreign Policy about why we need to instill benevolent global hegemony over the planet. Back in 1996, the major ringleaders of the Project for a New American Century that lied us into war with Iraq and all of this stuff. And you, mean, you mean fuck the EU, Victoria Newland? The, the one that's that right, her husband, that's right. And so and. And now you might remember his brother, Fat Neck Fred, was one of the propagandists who pushed real hard for the Iraq and Afghan surges, both of which were complete and utter catastrophes that killed tens of thousands of people and accomplished absolutely nothing whatsoever. Um, maybe hundreds of thousands. Um, and in fact, as long as we're on this, um, there's audio of Fred Kagan and Donald Kagan, the father, on the radio on September the 12th or 13th or something like that, 2001. Saying Bush ought to send the Marines to the West Bank to get Yasser Arafat and the leaders of the Palestinian Liberation Organization. <laughs> because, hey, why the hell not? You know, these guys could seem like a credible partner for peace if you wanted a two-state solution. These kind of left-wing secularist types, you know, they ain't perfect, but they ain't been Ladenites. <laughs> well, Bush ought to go and kill them right now so that we don't have a partner for peace in Palestine <laughs> is the obvious angle there. These people are monsters. Um, but anyway, so Robert Kagan wrote this thing in the Washington Post last week where he said, ah, hell, we have to face up to the fact the unipolar moment is over. America's power is waning. 
We stretched it real, real far, all the way into far, far Eastern Europe there, right up to Russia's border. Now, like a wave, you know, we're flowing back again, retreating right. back again. And the Russians, says we're entering a period of time where it looks like the Russians will be the dominant force in Eastern Europe and the Chinese will be the dominant force in Eastern Asia. And then he says, now it's up to America and our allies in Europe and Asia to decide whether we can tolerate that world or not. I mean, that's a Kagan talking right there. Um, you know, he first of all, these are just the facts of life, man. Of course, yeah. the Russians are going to be the dominant force in Eastern Europe. It's Russia. Yeah. And look at the size of the damn thing. Also, the 6,000 nukes. Now, just economically speaking, they're not more powerful than their Eastern European neighbors, you know, combined or anything like that. Um they do have, you know, a strong military force and all that. So, but the point is, you know, if you put up our order of battle compared to theirs, our military far outmatches Russia's military. But they're there and we're here, exactly. right? This is the, you know, all they have to do is drive down the highway. What are we going to do? Ship all our tanks on ships up the, oh, through the Mediterranean and up the Black Sea and try to take Crimea from them and all, I mean, right? What are we going to do? It's their damn front yard, not even backyard. Right. right there so uh, well yeah if we had teleporters it would be a different story but we don't so it, yeah, it actually yeah. takes a lot of resources to and get they over still there. got h-bombs so even if we had teleporters they could still teleport an h-bomb right over washington <laughs> dc or austin texas right. or miami florida and that'd be the end True. of that argument True. so you know so yeah i mean um so what, what anyway what the is... point is that he was right that look again that you know that that phrase the unipolar moment that comes from charles krauthammer from 1990 as the Soviet Union was falling down, he goes, look, America sits bestride the world. No one is in our way. Now, Gene Kirkpatrick and Pat Buchanan said, let's be a normal country in a normal time. Now we'll bring our military home and we'll be a limited constitutional republic and we'll all try to focus on making money and pursuing happiness. And, you know, these guys didn't want to do that, basically. They wanted to go and expand the whole thing. So, Krauthammer said, essentially, in this time period, for the time being, for the next generation, maybe, I think he even says in there, it's up to us to restructure the world order however we want. And we're going to do it our way. Again, Robert Kagan and his benevolent global hegemony, right? Just like the British, it's all wrapped up in these excuses that we're just spreading free market capitalism and independent judiciaries and bills of rights and and republican forms and parliamentary governments to the people of the world and right. all this you know benevolent stuff like the the monty python skit about the romans building the roads and all that right we're just here to we're just here to help you know um and but then even the idea was according to Krauthammer himself that this was the unipolar moment and that it would come and then that it would go, right? Like right. a surge in Iraq. It's meant to ebb and then flow, not just stay. And so um, the idea was we're going to set up everything perfect. And then by the time that these other powers are rising up in equal power to us or, you know, enough that it's a real multipolar world where Russia, China, Brazil, Japan, and, and uh, you know, uh, India and where these sort of middle rank powers where they have enough sway that we have to kind of give them respect. We can't just tell them what to do. We'll have to like take their opinions into account in how we still run the world. That was basically the idea. There's a period of time 
where we will be absolutely dominant. But then even Charles Krauthammer himself recognized, then that time will kind of come to an end. So the point is then, never even mind like the Ron Paul vision that, look, man, we're supposed to be a limited republic and not a world empire at all in the first place. So screw it, right? Doug Bondo saying, yeah, let the Germans take care of their own security, right? This is all reasonable. You and I get this, but our opinion doesn't count. But just look at it from the the politics of empire as though from the point of view of the imperial class themselves. Look, guys, you can't rule the whole world forever. These are one of those times where you got to kind of retreat a little bit. The Chinese insist that one or 2% of the Pacific Ocean belongs to them. Yeah, I think maybe we can settle for 98 or 99%. Maybe we're going to have to. Same thing here. We're like, look, it might not always be the case that um, Slovakia and Slovenia and Moldova remain under American dominance and, and protection and rule. We might have to let that change. And you know what? Let's count our blessings and be grateful that Vladimir Putin is not Joseph Stalin. And there is not a Holodomor coming to Ukraine, right? And even if the Russians recreated the whole damn Warsaw Pact, it still wouldn't be Marxism where they all starve, you know, and go to the damn gulag or whatever. As bad as that would be to have them dominated by the Russians, it still wouldn't necessarily be totalitarianism or anything like that. And it's just too damn far from home. For us to do anything, and look, let's get really, really real. What if Putin rolls into the Baltic states next week? Brand new missile force. He says, I'm taking Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia, and I might come to Poland. Now, are we going to nuclear war, bro? Are you ready, are you ready to have I, I don't bomb detonate <laughs> over southern Florida no. so that we can keep the Russians out, even of Poland? No, I have no interest no. in defending them. Sorry. That's what I'm saying. And I'm sorry for them that that's what sucks to live in between major powers. You're going to be dominated by the Germans. You're going to be dominated by the Russians. You're going to be dominated by Gilgamesh or whoever your problem is. It ain't my problem, bro. It's just not my problem. And <laughs> and, and now look, so, so put yourself in the mind of Bill Crystal, though, right? You can see the optical illusion here. You know, wherever we spread our security umbrella, there's peace hmm. inside of it, right? Right. Like there hasn't been a quote unquote civil war inside the European Union in the last 20, 30 years. Moldova and Romania and Slovakia, they're not fighting. And there's all kinds of differences there. But under kind of the Pax Americana of American dominance, where they're all working under our combined military structure, how the hell are they going to fight each other when they all have an American colonel in charge of their army, right? (laughs) So, but... What that ignores, though, is as we're discovering right now, what about those countries on the outside of our security umbrella? They find out it's not so much an umbrella, right? It's a spear tip pointed right at them. And so then what do we do? We expect them to not react. but They do react. Yeah. And the the um, tendency is always to expand that umbrella up into the point that it it becomes such an... I, I really... I understand Putin's perspective. Like this is an existential risk to me right. and my people. I cannot, right. I cannot allow this. This is too far. You must stop. And, and like, no matter how awful and sad and tragic it is that all these U- innocent Ukrainian people are dying as well as I'm sure some innocent Russian people are dying too. It's like, this is all hell. Uh, but I ultimately 
realize the greater evil is thermonuclear war, like clearly. Yeah. And it's not even fucking close. So I right. don't understand. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm grateful to hear that you said Krauthammer and these other fucking neocon nutcases are, are perceiving this with some level of sanity that they're saying, yeah, you have to take a step back sometimes. Like the, the yeah. unipolar moment has passed. I hope they mean it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Krauthammer luckily is dead. But yeah, that was Kagan saying that. Oh, excuse me. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but uh, oh, I just like to celebrate that Krauthammer <laughs> is dead whenever I have a chance to. I hate that guy. Uh -huh, you're dead. Um, I watched but, him on Fox forever. He was awful. Yeah, it's just awful. Um, but yeah, man, Um, I, look, I have to tell you, it just couldn't possibly be worth it what they're doing here. And if you look at and look, I'm not trying to give this guy a bunch of grace or whatever. The guy seems like a pretty dangerous, sociopathic, strongman, sort of a gangster of an autocrat sort of a guy to me, you know. Um, he ain't George Washington. Uh, George Washington was pretty bad. <laughs> but um, seriously, you ever read Murray Rothbard on George Washington? You're like, oh, I, my I God, haven't. I need dude. to check that out. This guy's a freaking monster, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but anyway, um. The thing is, he, he, in so many words, Clint, he goes, look, man, we tried the experiment of allowing Ukraine to be independent. Didn't work. The Americans ran off with it. He goes, right now, it's an American colony with a puppet government. Hmm. Eh, this is fairly accurate. <laughs> that, sounds, yeah, that sounds so, pretty real. Yeah, so, like, in other words, we don't know. In the counterfactual, we can't do a controlled experiment. But man, we got every reason to believe that if Clinton had just not expanded NATO at all, if we had not tried to expand our military alliance sphere of influence east of Germany, like in Bush Sr.'s promise, um, if uh, they hadn't installed anti-missile missiles and dual-use launchers in Poland and Romania, they hadn't promised to bring Ukraine and Georgia into NATO and overthrown all of these governments and their color-coded revolutions around the Russians near abroad and all this. I'm pretty sure that everything would be just fine over there. And you could say America not being there, there would have been no one to dissuade them. So Russia would have just taken it back a long time ago. But why? At a huge expense when there was nothing at stake, you know, to go back to 2014. They had leased that base at the Crimean Peninsula for 23 years, um, allowing, you know, after the Soviet Union fell apart and the Crimean Peninsula, which traditionally had been Russian territory since 1783, but that Nikita Khrushchev had, you know, given to Ukraine essentially in 1954. Well, the Russians were essentially fine, even under Putin, for 23 years with Crimea remaining with Ukraine just as long as we get to keep our naval base there, the Sevastopol naval base. Right. Well, when Obama overthrew the government there for the second time in 10 years, and the new government threatened to kick them out of their base, I saw someone asking for the footnotes. So I'll try to mention the, the footnote from now on. You can find this. James Carden wrote about this. It's a British parliamentary report where they identify this letter. It was written, I forget now, as three or four former Ukrainian presidents who said, now's our chance to kick the Russians out of the naval base at Sevastopol. Hmm. And only then did Putin go ahead and seize the entire Crimean Peninsula. So in other words, like, as a controlled experiment, you know, it ain't perfect. 
maybe without big bad America there, he would have just conquered all of Europe a long time ago. I think that's made up nonsense. I mean, I think if you look at it, it's only when America absolutely forces the issue to the does the uh, Putin government respond. And that goes for Crimea and the Donbass in 2014 through now. That goes for the war in Syria, where hell, they bombed the hell out of that country. But who are they bombing? They're bombing America's CIA, jihadist, head Jesus. chopper, suicide bomber, bin Ladenite terrorist legions down there on the ground. And yeah, people near them too. And it was a hell of a thing, but it was America's fault. And John Kerry, the secretary of state under Obama is on tape, on the job still, not when he's retired later, on the job still as secretary of state, where he tells some Syrian activists, look, the reason Putin intervened is he didn't want to see a Daesh government in Damascus. That's the quote. Well, Daesh means ISIS, the Islamic State Caliphate, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, the so-called Caliph Ibrahim, ruler of the Caliphate. That's what a Daesh government in Damascus means. And that's Kerry's own words. So yes, Putin unleashed just incredible violence on that country after America made him do it. (laughs) Made him do it. I mean, look, you you could just turn that sentence around. America had to start carpet bombing Damascus because the ISIS was about to conquer the place. You know, we had, to, or not Damascus, but but uh, Syria, because ISIS was marching on Damascus. And we, we were fighting ISIS on the east side of the country at the same time. You know, after they had blown up way too big, after we built them up and blown up way too big. So to, to accuse them of doing the wrong thing, and they're fighting the same enemy as us at the same time. You know, and, you know, on the other side of the line, it's completely crazy. Well, this this so. is an interesting hypothetical. It said, how bad would it have been if Russia had joined NATO? It's got to be better than we have now. The And I, I think this is kind of an interesting topic because after the know. USSR fell, and granted, I don't really want to have NATO at all, but I'm just saying, sure. if you were to have it, yeah. it does kind of seem to make sense. Like the USSR fell, fell why not ally with it? And it would have been pointed at China. True, right? true. Yeah, I mean, that's, and this was my, in the 1990s, I was a new world order kook and all on the like one world government under the UN, eventually at America's expense, not just the new world order as the American empire, but the new world order as eventually coming for America's ass after our empire falls, after they build this world federal government up and all of that. And I thought the core of it was uniting America and Russia's military under NATO and really making this sort of a real international global military force not just kind of an alliance, but like really integrating them into a one world white army of the North. And see, it goes with the whole skull and bones thesis, antithesis, synthesis, man. And then the new enemy is Islamic South Asia and the war on terrorism, right? Except that what happened was Dick Cheney came in and he goes, yeah, we want a war on terrorism, but we hate Russia too. We're not bringing Russia into our thing at all. All of this is against them. And, you know, had this very harsh anti-Russian policy from there. But so- that was my greatest fear at the time, you know, when the Republicans were coming in, was that they were going to bring uh, Russia into NATO and then they're going to go to war against Islamic South Asia and or China. And it'll be the one world white army of the North. That'll be the one world government and it'll end up killing us all and whatever. So when that didn't happen, I was somewhat relieved. But then I was like, ah, geez, now we're picking a fight with these guys. Yeah, Why exactly. can't you just be, you know, quit while we're ahead and leave well enough alone and all those kinds of cliches instead of, and again, see, I'm sorry, I forget who I say what to. I've done so many of these damn interviews. Okay. Forgive me if I already said this to you, but at the time that they began NATO expansion, and really ever since, 
but especially back then, all of the grayest gray beard foreign policy establishment type guys warned against it. It was Lockheed that wanted to do it, right? And some of the, <clears throat> you know, more of the kooky neocon hawks. But all the grayest gray beards were against it, including Brent Scowcroft, who had been Bush Sr.'s closest friend and national security advisor, had been a four-star general in the U.S. Army before that, um, was against it. Um, Robert McNamara, who'd been Secretary of Defense during Vietnam. George Kennan, who had coined the containment policy, and Paul Nitze, who had coined the rollback policy against Soviet communism, the author of NSC 68. Um, then you had all these prominent senators, um, Sam Nunn and um, Bill Bradley and Daniel Patrick Moynihan. Um, and then you had, according to the New York Times, they didn't uh, name them all, but there's a New York Times article that says a solid majority of the entire Pentagon and State Department are against this. Right. The whole Council on Foreign Relations was against this. That's incredible. Yeah. And they did it anyway. So that's what makes it my argument all that, you know, just bulletproof and undeniable is it's not even my argument. It's Brent Scowcroft's argument. It's Jack Matlock's argument. The second to last ambassador to the Soviet Union begged him not to do it. So our friends, Ron Paul and Doug Bondo and Ted Carpenter, uh, you know, the latter two at Cato Institute there, you know, of course, they were great on this, but never even mind them. Henry Kissinger said not to do it. <laughs> oh, man, really? <laughs> so uh, and this is why I hate it when I agree with this, Kissinger. Yeah, we expand NATO like this. We necessarily expand it at Russia's expense. And how do you think they're going to take that? They're going to react harshly. In fact, there's this excellent thing you got to read where Thomas Friedman at the New York Times interviews George Kennan in 98. And um, Kennan says, I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. The NATO expanders who now are telling us, don't worry, this isn't about Russia. The Russians won't react because why would they react? This isn't against them. We like Russia. What's the problem? Those same people now ignoring our warning that the Russians will react against this. Once the Russians do react, then those same NATO expanders are going to say to us, see, that's just how the Russians are. And that's why we have to expand NATO is to defend Europe from Russian aggression. And then he says, but that is not right. And that's George Kennan, the wisest, grayest graybeard in the history of all of the American foreign policy establishment. That's the guy who Henry Kissinger and Zbigniew Brzezinski have to line up to kiss his ass. Okay. Incredible. Incredible. I know. But I'm I telling have, you, man. I have a quick question for you that uh, Laura Logan said that there is truth to the fact that there are bioweapons facilities in Ukraine that have been uh, gone after. I don't after. know about that, but I don't believe that. You don't. Okay. That that's like that's exactly what I wanted to hear from you is if, if you think I, that's I really true. don't know about it though, dude. I, I hadn't looked okay. into whether that's been debunked or yes or no or what. I okay. could be right, but man. Yeah, well, yeah, it's just it's interesting if it's true. Uh and then also I'd like to know what you think about you know, obviously there is knock-on effects that come from completely shutting off Russia in terms of sanctions. Now they have found a way to to operate around it by going with China and a few other countries to still be able to trade. And also we are not sanctioning the banks that strictly process oil and gas purchases, which is basically the only thing that we, that Europe and everybody else needs from Russia. 
Um, right. What kind of economic, I mean, the ruble is getting crushed. What kind of economic ramifications are we looking at from this, in your opinion? Oh, I mean, I really couldn't tell you. I mean, I think that if the U.S. Treasury Department declares a full war against your nation state, you are in a world of trouble, dude. Yeah. I mean, oh, those yeah. are the most powerful gangsters in the world other than the Pentagon themselves, the U.S. Mm. Treasury Department. They will, you know, you take a look at Iran where they say, yeah, international shippers. I mean, if we were you, we wouldn't do business with Iran. <clears throat> and then they can't wink, import wink. medicine. They can't uh, import any, you know, the most basic things that are not on the sanctions list, but just because the international shippers have these huge investments at stake in these ships and everything, every other thing, they can't afford to pay hundreds of millions of dollars of fines and have ships impounded and go through all this trouble and right. put have sanctions put on their companies. And so they just don't go to Iran at all. They just sail around Iran and go somewhere else. And then so a kid dies of cancer because he can't get his chemo, man. And that's right. how they do business. That's who the U.S. Treasury is. Dude. That's how they always do. So, so dark. How badly they can hurt Russia right now, I don't know. I, I know that what you say is true, that Putin really had prepared for this by building up this big rainy day fund, all this stuff. But, you know, when I was on the Kennedy show the other day, she interviewed this uh, economics expert guy. He seemed to be, I don't know what his title was, but he seemed to know his shit. And he said that, you know how Putin saved up $600 billion? Well, we got it and he can't get it. Oh, they froze it. Holy and, shit. Yeah, they figured out a way to keep him from getting his hands on that. Or that was that guy's claim anyway. So, yeah, well, I mean, Russia this could is, be in for a real world of hurt here, man. And I don't see, know about the, you know, the amount of trade between them and China. But for them to just completely reorient toward the East somehow would be a huge burden and an attempted change in their, uh, yeah. in their economy and a way to plan it. I, I mean, mean, it's it's one of the countries with the most nukes besides us and the other country with the most people on Earth. It's like you're putting together a real force that can fucking destroy everything. And I don't I don't understand the logic here. Is it just just Russian roulette? No pun intended. Look, I mean, I think part of it is that the military industrial complex is just so hell bent on conflict that there is no like real strategic thinking here. Like in a way. So, you know, remember Donald Trump said they wanted you to just memory hold this. You know, you were supposed to believe this guy was a, some kind of pro-Russian traitor or whatever. But what it was, he said, yeah, I talked with Henry Kissinger and I told Henry Kissinger, hey, Henry Kissinger, I think Russia's great. And Henry Kissinger said to me, yeah, you're right, Donald Trump. We ought to be friends with Russia so that we can split them away from China and, and use them to balance against China. Now, Kissinger's the guy who split China away from Russia 50 years ago and opened up China to the United States, right? So now he's saying, well, now China's the big dog. So now we need to split Russia away from them and balance with Russia away from them. This is what they call realpolitik, right? This is Henry Kissingerian politics, right? So, but the Democrats have this whole thing about the Russians and how the Russians humiliated them and the Russians stole the election from them and the Russians installed the Nazi fascist white supremacist dictator Donald Trump in power and all of these things. So the domestic politics forbid the strategic, you know, change in thinking there. And what they wanted to do, you know, when Biden came in, they seemed to be trying to play down Russia. They really want to tilt toward a cold war with China. I know all the right wing hawks say Biden's so soft on China. That's not true. Biden is 100% on board for the Cold War with China. 
But all this Russia stuff keeps distracting him because his Russia policy is so bad and he can't back down from that that he ended up picking a fight in Europe before he got a chance to pick a fight in the Pacific. And the whole thing is just, as you say, man, it doesn't make any sense if you're a strategic thinker. Again, forget Ron Pauly in principle, but just right. as an American imperialist, it doesn't make any damn <laughs> That's sense what I'm to do it yeah. this way, does it? Unless simply you want to sell boats and planes. And if that's your game, then there you then go. It all makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's that's a pretty dark uh, picture. I, I think, you know, it's something I've been considering since we got into the situation with Russia and Ukraine or the potential for us getting into the situation deeper um, is that it's kind of, it, it does appear to me like a Thucydides trap where you have you have China as the rising power, the American empire as the declining power. And then you have you have both of them trying to flex on each other and right. and one of them on the, the declining power unwilling to relinquish its role as you know, policeman of the world or conqueror of the world. And then they end up getting dragged into through kind of propagandistic means and information war that comes from the rising power. Is there is there any possibility that China is really involved in in exacerbating these situations and trying to use it to weaken us for their own benefit? Yeah. I mean, I don't look at it like that as much as Putin went just, to Xi. Just a and question. Said, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No, I think Putin went to Xi and said, I want to do this. And she said, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm sure he's looking ahead at it and, and saying, you know, here's an opportunity for the Americans to screw up. Um, the, the I, think reason people I, impute, I think people impute a lot more negative kind of um, motives onto the Chinese than they have. I mean, they haven't declared war against anybody. Last right. time they went to war was to help kick us out of Korea. Um, you know, they had a couple border skirmishes with Vietnam, but they've been fighting the Vietnamese for thousands of years, you know. Um, so, you know, um, they, so they seem not. to look at pretty long term and play a pretty long game. And I think if they look at the Americans, they look at a bunch of jokers who play the shortest games in the world. Right. So like if you're the Chinese with their kind of time preference, I think you just wait for the North Americans to punch themselves out. You know what I mean? They're a bunch of damn fools anyway, aren't they? So like they want to pick are. a fight with the Russians in Eastern Europe. then. Yeah, it's better than picking a fight with us here in the sea. Yeah. So let them get bogged down in Europe, you yeah. know? Yeah, well, and, and honestly, you know? it, it's, it's not super necessary for them to encourage us to, to kick ourselves in the dick. We do it on our own constantly. So. That's exactly right. I mean, yeah. seriously, and for people who say that the Chinese can't wait to replace us as the world empire. I mean, really? You think no. that Vladimir Putin or Chairman Xi are looking at George W. Bush and Barack Obama and saying that's what we need to do for our country is all that these great men have accomplished? I don't <laughs> think so, man. I don't think they're looking at that. Look, I mean, frankly, it's just like with slavery. It's just the age where that is tenable is over. It costs more to invade your neighbor and take his stuff than to just buy it produce things, save up and buy what your neighbor's producing. It just doesn't yeah. make sense. Now, there may be some circumstances where, you know, money ain't everything. A lot of sure. this is about ethnicity, too. You know, all the old world is divided by these nation states and all the borders are in all the wrong places as far as all the locals are concerned. So, you know, we like to see all those problems worked out peacefully. Could be that we have small wars. 
um, over moving those borders. Like, is the Donbass part of Russia or part of Ukraine? Things like that. Um, but, you know, see, here's the thing, ma'am. As far as your question about, like, will the Americans be able to just fess up that we're the waning power here? Back off, man. I mean, right. hell, even Robert Kagan kind of admits it, right? So, you know, but um, I think they can't admit it because they dressed up their empire in all of this public relations about the liberal rules-based international order. It's not even the red, white, and blue. It's the baby blue UN flag of international law and cooperation in the global village of friendship and legality and rules that we all agree on. Now, this is all a bunch of crap, right? The Americans break the law all the time. They'll break the law and have a war in Kosovo. They'll break the war law and have a war in Iraq. They'll break the law and hand West uh, Sahara, Western Sahara over to Morocco if they, they need to do it to get a deal with Israel. Speaking of Israel, they'll give the Golan Heights to Israel when the Israelis just stole it from Syria. They'll break off Kosovo from Serbia tell a bunch of absolutely ridiculous lies to justify it and on and on and on. They do whatever the hell they want. Liberal rules based. But try to tell a Democrat, you kidnap a Democrat from D.C., give them the waterboard and then tell them, come on, man, admit it. You guys break the rules all the damn time, dude. This is just a fig leaf for American imperialism. And see if you could get that Democrat to admit it. I bet right. you can't. No. I bet you can't. No, man, this is all selfless humanitarianism for the good of the world. We're just trying to spread black robed judges and and uh, a pin, you know, um, uh, a blind justice to the poor, benighted people of the world and blah, blah, blah. So yeah. now talk them out of that. Talk them out of the empire when they got this line of crap from here to New Mexico about how it's all just about taking good, good care of you. This, you this want me a, to stop taking good, good care of you, Clint? Come on. <laughs> I know you don't really mean that. This is a really interesting point you're making, because if we had been honest about the nature of our empire, then one, it probably wouldn't have ever been so successful because you wouldn't have had popular support for it. But right. had you been honest about it, then in this moment, when you are the waning power and you ought to be withdrawing some of your extraneous forces that you're laying upon the world, Mm -hmm. You could actually do it, but because you had to wrap it up in all of these, uh, you mm -hmm. know, sunshine and rainbows, now you can't because right. you essentially have to acknowledge that we were never doing this for the good of the people. Because as soon as, like, if, if you were, you would have to intervene on behalf of Ukraine, but you can't because it creates a nuclear war. So, so you end up withdrawing and you have to acknowledge, oh yeah, well, guess what? We don't actually care about uh, illegal wars or or defending people's rights or the downtrodden or any of the lies that we've told you for the past 50 years we don't but now we can't say it so we're going to just have to continue to lie crazy yep crazy. that's basically the deal man and yeah they can <laughs> never admit that you know this all essentially a bunch of window dressing for their Amazing. cynicism and now they have a whole new narrative too because there ain't no commies and forget the damn terrorists dude who wants to patrol postulants anymore we don't want to do that so now it's the democracies versus the autocracies. Right. It's like the democracies. You mean like Kuwait and Saudi Arabia and Oman <laughs> and the United Arab Emirates and Egypt? And the United States? <laughs> and, yeah, the United States. Are you kidding me, dude? Um, Canada? Um, yeah, right. Canada. The bastion again, of liberal democracy. Yeah, seriously, though. Put a shot collar on a Democrat. See if you could get him to confess that, you know what, Clint? I'm lying. That's a bunch of crap. They, they won't. They won't. 
You can yeah. shock them all day and night. And they'll be like, no, it's for your own good. It's for your own good. I swear to God, it's the oh rules-based liberal international order of friendship and cooperation. And humanitarianism and intervention of responsibility. <laughs> there's no there's no power or money to be made with this position. No, of what, course what? not. What's money? There's not. What is, I don't want money. Yeah. So oh look, and this goes down really. See, here's the problem too, man. This goes right down to the, the root of the American empire after World War II. You want to abolish the American empire. Yeah, you pretty much got to abolish the entire United Nations. You have to abolish the entire post-World War II structure. You know, um, in Rothbard's War and Foreign Policy, Chapter 14 of For a New Liberty, he talks all about the entire, you know, the pre- I guess, you know, Geneva and certainly pre-United Nations uh, version of international law had it. And when there's a war between two countries, the other countries all try to boycott them in terms of selling them arms and try to encourage them to negotiate an end of the thing, clamp the thing down. Not that that always works very well, but that was essentially the model. Try to keep the war small. But under collective security, it's entirely the other thing. It's that no border could ever be changed by violent force ever. If anybody ever attacks anybody at all, it's America and the UK and France's business and we're coming for your ass. And we are the world government and we will instill the world order. And that means, as Rothbard puts it, when Bumblestan gets into a border dispute with Ruritania, that then that becomes our problem and we'll be willing to go to war and we'll create an entire alliance system to justify taking one side or the other in this thing and militarizing both sides and get a bunch of people killed and spread the war to the neighbors and just turn the whole damn thing into giant chaos when in the name of collective security and tamping all crises down, they end up turning little ones into major ones. Exactly. And so this, this is a fascinating point because this actually has cognates in economics where it's, uh, you know, like if you have a, a rigid structure, but it's unstable. So you just like you put you put basically a, a wall around some gabagoo and, <laughs> and and ultimately like it's it ends up being for the sh for the for the I guess for the long term, there is stability, but it, it builds stability over or it builds instability over time within it. So like by yeah. the time it breaks, it ends up being catastrophic, whereas you should have allowed there to be minor skirmishes because that's more natural. That's actually what needs to be happening. But because you've you've now taken this larger organization and made it so that that can't happen, you can't have this natural reorientation of nations on small border skirmishes and things like that. Yeah. Now you end up in fucking World War III over it. And it's like, well, yeah, right. we had more peace in these territories for a while, and then you're going to have a cataclysmic event. So not yeah. ideal. And that's the same I mean, thing that with our World debt War system II, and, our, and our economy. So That's right. I mean, look, World War II in Europe started because... Hitler wanted to take part of Germany back from Poland, the city of Danzig and the corridor through it. And just as you're saying, they were essentially just gay married as hell to this treaty that said that, no, you can't and we get to keep it. But oh, so that's what? That's just words on paper. Be a grown up. Use your head. You're going to plunge the whole damn continent into war if you don't just let them have access to the sea. And it's a German city anyway. The Poles got it by treaty anyway, you know, in the first place. They should have been man enough to say, all right, you know what? Look, you guys can have your corridor. That's reasonable. You know? We'll let that one go. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. but And, of course, that's, you know, uh, a heresy to say um, yeah. that, you know, of course. We're the, defending the Nazis. The lesson of, 
of dealing with the Nazis is America should have launched a preemptive war against them in 1934. And that would have prevented any of this kind of thing from happening. That You're never supposed to do like Pat Buchanan and just question, maybe the British shouldn't have given a war guarantee to the Poles. And maybe if they hadn't, the Poles would have gone ahead and given a corridor to Danzig to the Germans. And we might not have had a war at all. Look at that. You know, man, no war, no Holocaust, no, none of it. And that wasn't his goal. I mean, I think in his book, Pat proves that that Hitler's goal was not to take over all of Europe. You know, maybe eventually he would have wanted to go east and and, you know, crush the Slavs and take all their land from them. I'm not saying that's okay. But his goal was not to attack all the Western democracies and all this stuff. Essentially, the British put him in that position. And why? Just like we're talking about here. It's because they're stupid. I mean, when you read, I'm telling you, man, if you read Churchill, Hitler and the Unnecessary War by Pat Buchanan, and first of all, all his sources are the highest deans of British Historical Society from Cambridge and Oxford, all of them. He doesn't cite any Americans. He sure as hell doesn't cite any Germans. He cites the Brits saying, boy, we really screwed this up. What were we doing? You know, and it was essentially as you read that, you go, I get it. Neville Chamberlain is George W. Bush. Wow. And, 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 and Winston Churchill is Barack Obama. These guys are just absolutely worthless. You know, and, you think and, they're old. You think that because that happened a long time ago that somehow competent men were put in charge back in the olden days or something like that? No. And Winston Churchill, they're both George W. Bush. You know, I mean, they, they say they tell the story of when, you know, Neville Chamberlain had gotten this promise. We're off on World War II now. Neville Chamberlain had gotten this promise from Hitler that, um, he wouldn't go into Czechoslovakia. Then he went into Czechoslovakia and and humiliated Neville Chamberlain, right? So Neville Chamberlain that night, and look, it's been a few years since I read this, but the way I remember it was something to the effect of the guy essentially had a nervous breakdown over his humiliation, over his personal public humiliation, not England's strategic position, just his personal public humiliation that he had bragged that I tamed that Hitler fellow. And then now, oops, it looked like that Hitler fellow had tamed him. And so what did he do? He went off and he gave the Poles a war guarantee and said, if Germany ever attacks you, Britain will come to your aid. Well, first of all, Britain was in no position to come to their aid anyway, right? And they never did liberate Poland. The Nazis, I mean, the Soviets did, and they got to keep it for another 50 years, you know, 45 years. Um, and uh, so it just made no sense to do that, but it emboldened the Polish colonels to tell Hitler to go screw himself when otherwise they very well may have given in. And the way he tells the story is when the prime minister does this, his own foreign minister, Lord Alfred Gray, says, you madman, what are you thinking? We should have you committed to an insane asylum. Okay, so that's what the foreign secretary, the secretary of state, essentially, right, <laughs> of Britain, thought of the prime minister's decision to give a war guarantee to Poland. Now, you and I are supposed to learn that, well, World War II is a thing that happened as though it's just the total inevitability of all of this, right? Right. When not only were these decisions that were made by individual human men that could have gone the other way, but they were absolutely ridiculous decisions that were made by human men whose right-hand assistants and cabinet secretaries immediately contradicted them and told them how crazy and stupid it was. Same thing here with the NATO expansion, where 
Brent Scowcroft told you not to do it. You think you know better than him when he tells you not to do something aggressive? <laughs> Bob McNamara, the guy that bombed three million Vietnamese to death, is telling you what Bad not idea. to do with your military. Why don't you just go ahead and defer to their expertise about when is going too far? <laughs> you know, I think you can do that. If anyone knows about going too far, it would be him. Oh Seriously. my God. That's crazy. And you know, I think it's it's a, uh, another interesting comparison, not just to economics, but also to the anarchism versus government concept. It's like, because, because we have government, sure, it may provide a little bit more stability in the short term, but long term, you end up with these huge conflicts and you have these right. men of such such immense power and control that over dick measuring contests and ego can end up eviscerating entire nations. I mean, that is that is so sick and dark. And yet we're the crazy ones. We're the ones that say, no, we shouldn't be doing this whole government thing. We shouldn't be doing yeah. World War Three. The and tide is turning on that, buddy. I'll tell you what. And Good. listen, I'll tell you what. You know who's our best ally in this effort? It's the likes of Hillary Clinton. She's basically walking around with a giant sign that says, are you sick and tired of me? Oh, well, <laughs> going the anti-war right, you know, um, and I, you know, it's a great effect. I think, I mean, if you watch, if anyone watches her on MSNBC, just blabbing about how we need to arm these Nazis with javelins and stingers in Ukraine so we can replicate our great success in Afghanistan in the eighties with its, you know, cute little minor side effect consequences that aren't <laughs> worth mentioning. Right. You show that to your mom or your dad or your right wing uncle Bob or your sister Joe or whoever and see if what they think of that. And uh, this lady is off of her rocker, man. This lady <laughs> is somebody should have taken one of them wooden canes like Bugs Bunny and yoinked her right off the stage, dude. Get off wish... somebody shut her up. Go to commercial. Go to commercial. And she's going, yeah, and then we'll give them the missiles and they'll kill the Russians with them, kill them and bleed them and they'll bleed from the death and the killing. And just like, whoa, 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 somebody cut her mic, man. It's too much. It's what? too much. And so I just say, you know what? Fine. Go ahead. Keep running your fat mouth, lady. You know, and, and then, you know, Clint, you and I are here to pick up the flotsam. Like, look, all you hawks who find yourselves agreeing with Hillary Clinton but ain't wanna, Welcome to the America First movement, dude. Hell yeah. That's too funny. Well, yeah, you're right. And, uh, you know, we we came, we saw he died. Ha, ha, ha. Like every time Hillary talks, man, she she lets some truth bombs out there that make the, yep. the evidentiary danger and evilness of her behavior very well known to people. So thank God for her still being Absolutely. such a narcissist. She won't shut up. Anyway, <laughs> I, I've kept you much longer than I had intended. This has been an incredible stream but with, between the two of you. I'm telling you, I know. Uh, well, anyways, I'll leave it at that. Thank you so much for your time, man. Tell people where they can follow you. I, I, your work has been incredible and invaluable over the years. So thank you again. Sure. Okay. Well, I'm um, at antiwar.com slash Scott. And if you go there today, you'll find my extremely overlong speech and uh, giant article, the text of it and the video of my giant speech. Um, I've added some stuff to the text there. Um, it's two hours long on the background of all this George HW Bush through right now on the, the Russia Ukraine problem there. That's at antiwar.com slash Scott. And then of course I'm at libertarianinstitute.org and scotthorton.org is my show. I do an interview show a lot like this one. I've got 5,680 something interviews for you there at scotthorton.org and at youtube.com slash Scott Horton show. 
And I'm on the radio on Sunday mornings on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. And oh yeah, read my books, Fool's Air and Time to End the War in Afghanistan and Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism, both of which are out in audiobook as well. Beautiful. Yeah, I uh, I read Enough Already a year ago and I cannot recommend it highly enough. If you want to understand the ins and outs of the fucking horrific 20 years that we've been in, well, much longer than that, but the you know, in terms of the well-known active wars that we've been experiencing after the quote-unquote war on terror began it is it is your one-stop shop for all information thank you again scott we're gonna get out of here folks thank you for for tuning in it was an amazing an amazing last year it's gonna take me time to process this thanks again man holy shit folks i just got done listening back and that is that's the greatest thing i've ever done (laughs) i didn't have anything to do with it laura logan and scott horton brought the fire tonight and I feel as if I learned a hell of a lot about what's actually going on I also have a hell of a lot more questions than I used to so that's always a sign of a thought-provoking episode I hope you guys enjoyed it if you want to support my work go to libertylockdown.locals.com to become a subscribing supporting member of the show I will catch you next time Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweet from your phone. Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne. If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home. The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go. The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe. Like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening. Scared Hollywood left these lyrical feppin'. A typo with Luke might bring the nooses. We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses. Freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit. Knew I was a patriot, but now I'm the shit. Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcaster sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty, now hear me roar Beat running up, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house No malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Liable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky's Mouton was the only sound Getting so hot must be air July Screaming in the mic and rip for 59 Miles to ratio that black guns matter Now all these lefties got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war but we're ready You know I be bopping and rock steady Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe